People can change only if they feel they are basically liked and accepted the way they are. When people feel criticized, disliked, and unappreciated, they are unable to change. Instead, they feel under siege and dig in to protect themselves. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. All right. Welcome, everybody, to this episode we're going to explore what can you change about your partner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we change our partner? Boy, many of us want to, and we put a lot of efforts trying to do it. But I think it's important to really try to understand what that means to your relationship. I see that a lot, of course, as a couples counselor. Usually, when a couple comes in, I see one partner is bringing in their other partner because they want to change them. You know, they want to bring them in front of me and tell me the things that their partner is doing or not doing that's really detrimental to the relationship and they want me to help that partner change. It's very seldom that people really want to do some fundamental changes on their own. And that's when change can really occur, right? is when you know yourself that you're motivated to change, not when somebody is forcibly and pushing you to change, especially when it comes out in criticism and constant complaints. Yep. So let's kind of start from the beginning. I mean, people get together. There's things that they are attracted to about each other that they like. And that's why they continue probably to be with each other. And then there's some things, some maybe pet peeves that they don't like, little quirks and nuances of the other person. There may be some yellow flags and there are some red flags. And I would say, watch those red flags because thinking that those red flags are going to change when you make the decision to commit that person and they'll change afterwards, that's where you're setting yourself up for a lot of disappointment for both of you in the relationship. And a red flag can be anywhere from, let's say, addictions to emotional distancing, lack of spiritual connection, differences in religion, belief systems around that, politics, and also kids. What I mean by kids is There are many couples that get together and they don't really come to an agreement about whether one wants a child or two or three or four or the other one doesn't. They think they're going to work that out in their relationship, especially if they have disagreements. And boy, I'll tell you, that's a hard one to work out later on because one usually doesn't just negotiate. It's a big compromise for the person that usually doesn't want a child to have a child or vice versa. The person that really wants a child that then compromises to not have a child. 
there's a lot of un underlying resentment that occurs in the relationship because of that. And that could be a non-negotiable. So I do tell people to try to understand those red flags to me are what's non-negotiable. If we don't work that through, we're gonna have a really difficult time of having a connecting relationship. Hey, and I also wanna put a caveat. I don't think that you should put up with abuse. I don't think that you should put up with infidelity. I think if that's in your relationship and maybe that comes in your relationship after you commit, that's something that needs to change. And if it doesn't change, then you have to make a decision whether to stay in that relationship or not. The key is how do you influence that change in your partner? That's something that I want to talk about too. Like what are the best ways to influence that change in a motivating way? You know, I've, I also interview and spend time with, with older couples, whether it's in counseling or research that I've done, couples that have been together for many, many years, and they're more direct. It's, it's interesting of asking them straight questions. Like I know some older couples have told me, if you're considering, for instance, marriage, you have to take this truth to heart. Accept your partner as is or don't get married. I hear that a lot from some older couples. I've heard this sentence too. If you think you're gonna marry someone who is just not quite on the same page you are and you're gonna change them, you're a fool. That's right, mm-hmm, that's what I hear. Because many of these people, many of these older people learn this lesson the hard way. They may have lived in an unhappy marriage for decades, or also they may have gotten divorced. So they're having that retrospect, look back at their experience because they saw their partners as, for instance, a do-it-yourself improvement project. That's right. You know, I was sitting with one woman who is about 75 years old and her advice was to carefully assess what you don't like before committing, whether it's a big issue or a minor issue, as she said. Because a lot of women, I think, take men on as a do-it-self project, right? Some women, I've said this before, they are with men for their potential, and they really want to see that man's potential activate. Of course you do, but if it doesn't, it's like, I call it, you got what you bought. If it gets better, that's gravy. Can you be with just what you have? And Because men don't like being a do-it-yourself project from women. I'll tell you that hands down. We don't like that. We want to be accepted and acknowledged and appreciated for who we are, not constantly trying to change us. And that's usually what happens when one partner starts focusing on a fundamental personality change that they want the other partner to do. Fundamental personality changes are very difficult than something that may be hmm, a little bit more than a habit, okay? For instance, a habit could be somebody who doesn't eat well, okay? Most people know that they wanna change that. If I wanna change eating better, and I'm having a really difficult time, and my partner wants me to change and eat better because they want me to be healthy, 
They want me to be more active. They want me to have a longer life with them. That's something that we can work together as a team to achieve that because that's a motivation factor for both people to want to, to change. But if you're nagging, if you are complaining constantly and criticizing every time that person is not eating well, they're going to just dig their heels in more. And they're going to feel like all they're doing is they're, they're just not enough. And it's going to go into other areas of their relationship. It's going to be more foundational in their relationship. You just don't like who I am. You're always telling me to do something different. And then people also start to, let's say, hide some of their behavior because they don't want to be criticized for it. And again, criticism goes straight to the personhood of the person, which is different than a complaint, which is a behavior. Criticism is you are lazy, you are inconsiderate, you are unhealthy. That's criticism. A complaint is, hey, when I see you choose to eat this food that has French fries and a lot of calories in it, I am worried. That's, that's a complaint about a behavior instead of you eat so unhealthy, right? That goes after, again, the person's personhood. You're, if they say to them, you just don't care about yourself or you don't care about me. Mm. Yeah, that can cause a lot of defensiveness in a relationship. So I think that this is the key, and this may seem simplistic. Some people say, I've tried it, it doesn't work, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it more to the forefront of your attention. If you want your partner to change, start by accepting them for who they are. I'm gonna quote, again, John Gottman, a couples researcher that I really like his work, from his book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And he says, quote, People can change only if they feel they are basically liked and accepted the way they are. When people feel criticized, disliked, and unappreciated, they are unable to change. Instead, they feel under siege and dig in to protect themselves. That's right. Mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly believe that. I have that experience. I mean, what's just coming to mind for me, and I've told this scenario and other podcasts, but here's a different look at it. I think I've told you about when years ago, maybe six years ago, seven years ago, my wife wanted to, to go to Italy and we did a lot of traveling early on in our, our relationship. And there was a middle period of our relationship where we didn't do much traveling. She was going to Denmark where she's originally from and her family lives there every year. And one year she wanted to go to Denmark for a few months on her own and for me to meet her, uh, we would go to Italy. And I had this resistance to it because I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm working and paying for your Denmark trips. And now you want me to also pay for Italy. I started, my wife calls it hyperventilating <laughs> when we had these conversations and, and I, I was. But the fundamental aspect of that, underneath that, was I didn't feel appreciated and acknowledged and validated for paying for her going to Denmark all those years. In some way, she expected it. She would say things like, of course I'm gonna go see my family. I need to do that. 
And I'm thinking, yeah, I want you to do that too. But I would like to also be appreciated for some of the sacrifices that I'm making or our decisions of where to put our finances for you to do that. She had a hard time seeing that. She felt more entitled, I would call it, to have that experience. So I wasn't so open to then automatically make the decision to go to Italy, even though that would probably have been really beneficial for me also. Until I was able to express it in a more vulnerable and let's say patient way of how I was feeling about not being acknowledged or appreciated for where I was putting my energy to make that happen for her to be able to go to Denmark for so many years, she finally got it. And when she started acknowledging and appreciating me for my efforts of the work that I did and the decisions to make that happen, I started automatically in some way wanting to now do more of what we both wanted. I wasn't digging my heels in. I was feeling acknowledged and appreciated. And as a matter of fact, instead of two weeks, we were going to go, I voluntarily say, let's do it for three and let's go to this island and do this and do that. There was something about when I was, again, not criticized, not in some way discarded for some of my concerns, then change came about. Change happened internally from me. So in that example, we started to have a more understanding of a deeper emotional connection. And couples seeking a deeper emotional connection need to understand that vulnerability and intimacy, they go hand in hand, right? So intimacy can occur when partners are vulnerable enough to share their deepest fears, their dreams without being criticized or judged, their hopes for what they want. When a container and an environment is ripe for people to do that in their relationship, again, that's where intimacy and change can happen in that container of a safe, vulnerable environment that couples can cultivate within themselves and in their relationship. So I'm gonna put this out in some way about, you know, questioning your own self in some way. Do you spend more time questioning your partner's behavior or their actions, or are you looking and examining your own? Two questions that I say I think are really good. What am I doing that make is making it difficult to get what I want? And what can I do to make it easier to get what I want? So if your partner, let's say, is emotionally distancing, what am I doing to make it difficult to get what I want? I want emotional connection. So if I'm telling my partner constantly that they're wrong or deficient or complaining constantly, about their emotional distancing, I'm not gonna get what I want. No way. And I will say this too. If you didn't have that emotional connection from your partner early on, that could be a personality fundamental characteristic that may not change. And you have to take ownership of that, that you're wanting a change to occur when you accepted that person for who they were in the beginning of the relationship. And I know sometimes you don't know that until later on. You might say, I didn't know that that was important to me. Yeah, I get that. And that's a hard conundrum to be in. 
because in some way, maybe you weren't awakened to how important that was to you early on. And now it is, and you're blaming your partner for not having it, as opposed to trying to work that through an understanding together to see if you both are motivated to want to do that. But certain fundamental characteristics are not going to change. I don't believe they are. Change happens in people's lives. Growth happens, but it happens when people want to do that, right? If one partner is more social and they've always been social and the other partner isn't social, social and they want their partner to be more of a homebody, I don't think that's going to change. I don't think you're going to change your partner to stop being so social. It's going to be figuring out the vulnerability of that you want to be able to spend more connecting time with your partner and talk about why that's important and motivating and what can come out of that, the dreams of connection and the intimacy that you can have to motivate that partner to maybe help negotiate and compromise. Maybe instead of going out four nights a week, doing all kinds of activities, that person then spends one or two nights more at home doing connecting things that also bring them joy. There's other fundamental things that I say are difficult too, that when I work with couples, people that, for instance, around their home base, where they want to live, how they want to live. There's maybe one partner that wants to live closer to their family. Another partner doesn't want to live close to family. They want to live more on their own to be more autonomous. One partner maybe wants to live in the city and the other one wants to live in the country. Hmm, that's going to be a fundamentally challenging thing to convince your partner to in some way sacrifice their for yours. Now, I'm not saying that you can't negotiate that, but how you do that and forcibly change either giving people ultimatums or threats, that's not going to work. And then when you focus more on those differences, then you lose your connection and you lose what's happening between you and your relationship. And that's where a lot of couples go awry is they start focusing more on the external decisions that they need to make, where we're going to live, how we're going to live, instead of focusing more on connecting deeply in their relationship so that they want to be with each other and that they can endure maybe decisions that maybe one person might be compromising more than the other, but because of journeying together and what they're creating as a couple and as a family is as or more important than actually their external circumstances of where and how they live. My wife and I, we've moved several places in the last 20 years we've been put, but in the beginning of our relationship, the first five years, we were moving a lot. And I remember really thinking, you know, it doesn't really matter as much where or how we're living. I'm just really enjoying this journey of being with this person. And I want the experience of where we're living and how we're living with this person, not so much the external experience of how I'm living. That was just me. And that made it easier for me to maybe make some decisions of where we were living. 
Now, I know I told the story a long time ago that I had a hard time when we moved to France. <laughs> and my wife ended up compromising for me because for me, it was a much more of a compromise of how we were living and what was promised to us in our living arrangements that we decided to make another choice and move to somewhere else. But again, when we started working on more about the connection of our relationship and creating safety and trust within it, we were able to negotiate and compromise in those external decisions. Another area that couples are trying to change each other that I see is around sex, right? Most relationships have a dynamic where one person has a higher sex drive and another person has a lower sex drive. And that usually shows up right in the beginning of the relationship. I wouldn't say right in the beginning. In the beginning, you're on drugs, you're on, you know, all kinds of things around falling in love, the drug hormone of falling in love. And there could be a lot of sexual activity in the beginning. But let's look at the first two years. In that way, it's going to kind of settle out after that. And you will kind of know which person has a higher sex drive and a lower sex drive. And one wants to convince the other. Usually the higher sex drive person wants to convince the lower sex drive person to change. And they may be criticizing them and they may be blaming them in some ways. Unless the person on the other end, like in this instance, the lower sex drive person wants to change, wants to explore that more in their life, then my experience is they have a better opportunity for change to happen. Not if they're perfectly satisfied and they don't want more sex in their life or how the sex is done and the frequency of it and so forth. If they don't want it, then they're going to be feeling pushed, manipulated, controlled. So again, that's a good one in some way of non-negotiables to really look, to really talk that through and try to work that through early on in your relationship. Because if you can't accept that and look to other areas of your life for more satisfaction, so if you're just getting enough satisfaction that you can live with around your sexual life, and there's all kinds of other areas that you're thriving through, that might be something that you might accept. But if it's not early on, it's not gonna change so easily later on in your relationship. Especially, again, when you're trying to change your partner and identifying them as the, we call it the identified patient and telling them that they're wrong and constantly nagging them, right? Nagging, we hear that expression. That starts to what happens when something that bothers you, you start to put voice to, and then you see it more, and then you start to subtly complain about it. And then that increases to more criticism and what we call then nagging. And then more and more and more focus is put on what you don't want. Most people don't verbalize what they want. They verbalize more what they don't want. And so the focus is on the detrimental and the negative aspects and the lack of their relationship, not upon the transformation of what it would bring, what the, what the request is, what the change looks like. Even the simplest thing of saying, don't yell at me. You're already focusing on yelling instead of, please talk to me in a lower voice. Right there, automatically the mind goes to that and it can visualize talking in a lower voice. 
people are less digging their their heels in when they're asked that kind of request. You know, a story comes to mind for me early on in our relationship. I knew that my wife had some aversion to some logistics in the world, especially uh, living in another country around, let's say, banking and driver's license. So this comes up as a driver's license. My wife, being a, a Danish citizen, living in the States for a little bit when I met her, she had an international driver's license. When we got together and some years after that, I would tell her that she needed to get an American driver's license, that our insurance probably wouldn't continue to cover her with an international driver's permit. And that was really scary for her. It was scary for her to go through that bureaucracy, to take the test, to pass a test in, in a foreign language. And those of you that know about European driver's tests, how much more challenging and rigid and uh, difficult it is and comprehensive than the American. So I think my wife had that in mind. I would complain to her. Actually, I started getting angry and resentful about it. And I started globalizing that she wasn't being responsible. And she was digging her heels in with more fear and obstinance about it. Until one day that I felt like, wow, I'm, she's rocking my world. I kept saying that to myself. I'm letting her rock my world. She's not doing what needs to be done. Instead of coming back and saying, what is my change? And my change was around boundaries. I needed to put up a boundary with her. And I actually did. I told her, I said, look, you know, if you don't get a, a driver's license, it's gonna, it could be very detrimental to us from a, lit, a litigation standpoint if something happens. I'm not gonna let that happen. I don't want that to happen in our life. So if you don't get a driver's license within, I think it was like three months, I'm not gonna allow you to drive the car that's actually in my name. <laughs> Some people might call that controlling, that I pulled that card out, but I did. And I did it without animosity. It was just clear to me. It's like, okay, it's going to be more detrimental on me that she's not going to drive. I'll have to do the shopping or some other things that, you know, she took on some responsibility of the household. But instead, it's not going to bother me and I'm not going to focus on the worry about her not having a driver's license. Lo and behold, she went ahead and studied for the test and did this on her own without me asking. And she aced it, folks. She got none wrong. She said it was so easy. She had to get over that fear and that stuckness that she had. Instead of me pushing her and forcing her, you might say that my boundary forced her, but I left, lifted off with that boundary. I no longer held that energy. I was just really clear that's what I was gonna do. And I could get the love flowing in our relationship instead of having that animosity. So that was just an interesting story that came up for us. Little ones too, you know, about acknowledging the other person and who they are. I might've told this that when we're doing our appreciation heart shares, that years ago when we would sit down and 
share our, our appreciation for 10 minutes when one of us spoke and the other one listened and vice versa, that my wife had a tendency of knitting. She loves to knit and that's her meditation. And I would ask her to give me more focus, to give me more presence, to look in my eyes. And she would say how she was focused and that she was grounded. And I would complain about it. I would kind of criticize that she wasn't being present and that she wasn't meeting me in the way that I wanted to be met. And I was doing it out of, uh, with a lot of energy, with resentment. So one day I actually started appreciating her about her knitting. And I actually asked her to knit us a heart share blanket, a special blanket that when we do our heart shares, we could just take that out and just unfurl it over our legs while we were sitting on the sofa to honor her knitting. And lo and behold, after she did it, there was something about in my acceptance of her knitting, instead of pushing against her knitting, that she all of a sudden became present without knitting in our heart chairs. And that happened all on our own. I didn't continually to ask her for it. I appreciated for what she was doing and who she was, and then let that change happen. And I think that that does happen in many ways. Because when people are criticized, they feel that they're not enough and they feel disrespected. And then when they feel disrespected, they don't want to go the extra yard to do a change, especially for the relationship or for the other person, because they feel controlled. So I'm going to own something. Here's a fundamental change. You might think this is trivial, but <laughs> we've had a lot of discussions about it. I like to lick my plate, not with my tongue. I do it with my finger, <laughs> but I only do it when I'm home and safe, feeling safe. I don't do it in restaurants and other people's homes. Well, sometimes I sneak it when I think somebody's not looking, but I've been doing that probably since I was five years old. And my wife would always in the past criticize it and ew, you shouldn't do that and so forth. And I kept doing it. And then finally, when I would tell her that, wow, you know, the energy that I get about licking my plate instead of you looking at the whole person of who I am, and I got this little quirk, and I'm licking the plate with food that you actually cook for me because I like it. Can you just give me a little bit of slack on that? So now it's done more in a teasing way than it is. And have I changed it? Mm, no, I, I haven't at home. Uh, so yeah, that's not a change that just because she accepted it, that I've changed. I actually kept it and let her accept it. So there is some things that of course that we're gonna have to accept in our partner because little quirks that were quirks in the beginning, of course they get bigger and bigger and then they really irritate. Can you just accept some of the things that your partner does? And I said there's, again, more challenging things I know that people are looking at like mental health issues. If one partner has an emotional mental health issue, that is not something that you can personally change about your partner, except that that's there and have them get as much help in those areas to be able to cope with that mental health issue but the best way that they can. And it may be challenging if they don't recognize that. So how you bring it to their attention 
is really important, but you're probably going to have to accept that it's going to be there. Another one could be, I know couples come in where one may dislike the other one's friends or family. And when couples first get together, it's kind of natural for them, let's say, to drift away from friends and family for a time. But don't expect your spouse, your partner, to drop their friends or their close family relationships just because you don't like them. Because it's damaging, again, to try to change that in your partner. It's disrespectful. The presence of respect in a relationship with both partners is what enables people to feel safe. And respect can indicate that your feelings will always be considered, and that's so important, that you consider each other's feelings. You want that other person to know that their personal welfare, their happiness are important to you. And then that, again, promotes feelings of trust, appreciation. It could increase empathy. And that's when you're able to work things through more about possible change. Not when it's getting to the escalation that I'm sure that you've experienced, where you feel that there's resentment and anger and a lot of back and forth emotional distance. You know, another example that I gave in another podcast was when this is a big issue for couples around one might be cleaner than the other. And yes, I do believe that if one partner puts, let's say, a dirty towel on the floor over and over, that's something that you will want change because rationally, that partner should see a dirty, wet towel can cause mold and so forth. Somebody can slip and fall. Socks around or kind of messy around the bedroom. Mm, that may not change. What I have seen occur is I had a client that was complaining, complaining about her partner's messiness over and over and over. She tried so many things and it kind of changed here and there for a little bit, but he continued to be it. I told her, hey, for a whole couple weeks, all I want you to do is to appreciate him in many areas of, the, of your life, all kinds of areas that you can think of. So she did that. And she came back and reported to me that after those couple weeks, she started to see his nightstand become more clean and more organized. And then around the bedroom, he started putting his shirts on the chair instead of the floor. Now, he wasn't a clean fiend after that, but he sure started a shift. It was not because she was forcibly nagging him to do that. He felt acknowledged and appreciated and wanted to make those changes on his own. Yep, that's how it more or less happens, folks. And I think it's really important the next time that you're really focusing on your partner's change, constantly focusing on, and if you could just hear yourself, what it would be like to be on the other end. What does it feel like when somebody is constantly telling you to change things about yourself? Even if there's some things that you want to change that's hard, a habit that you want to break, some fundamental aspect of yourself that you don't like. When people are telling you and criticizing you and demeaning you in some way or yelling and escalating, because that happens. I hear people say the only way he's going to change, that I get that change, is when I'm yelling. That's the only time that he hears me. That's a threat. That's a temporary change. 
sure doesn't cultivate respect in the relationship. So I just want you to think a little bit deeper about how that shows up in your relationships. Remember, trying to change your partner will leave them feeling unworthy and leaving you exhausted, emotionally exhausted. Just remember your partner is not your pet project and you are not responsible for any changes that they make in their lives. They are. They have to motivate it. And maybe through your love and encouragement may help your partner reach their potential faster than they would on their own because that's how couples can really inspire each other. But to know that their journey to their better self is ultimately their own. So to figure out how to do that as a team for support, that's wonderful. Like I loved when early on in my relationship with my wife, I wanted to change some things around my creativity, the way that I dressed and that I was more artsy because I was more linear, you know, working in the corporate world and I was a sports guy and other things like that. And I wanted to open up more of my life in, uh, yeah, more of a creative life, the way I walked in the world. My wife was so encouraging and continues to be encouraging. When I would try some things on, literally some clothes, I remember when we lived at Esalen, I found this like red fuchsia silk bathrobe and I just started wearing it all around into the lodge restaurant at night and yeah, it probably looked silly, but my wife was so encouraging. She never said a negative thing about it. Anything that I tried in that way, she was very encouraging because she knew probably on some end if the sensitivity and the vulnerability of that change at that moment, if she may have given, let's say, some negative feedback, ooh, that could shut me down. She didn't want to do that. She wanted to to open up and blossom my change. So a note for you parents out there, watch that when your child is really trying to blossom in a new direction. I know when I was trying some artwork out, my wife was constantly, wow, look at that. Look at those colors. She was looking at the positive part, not about, oh, that kind of, that's okay, or that looks funky. Why did you do that? No, she, she was interested and so encouraging, especially with her passion about it. And that really encouraged me to want to try things more and more. So you can really work with each other's support for change. And even in your relationship, Let's say when it comes for a dynamic around blame or defensiveness, when each of you are owning your own stuff, and there you go, right? If you want the change, whatever change that you want to see in your partner, make sure that you're doing it. Come on, folks, like look in the mirror on that. You know, I know for me, Jesus, like, wow, there's so much that I want to change about myself in some ways to be the person that I want. Why am I spending so much time about what I want my partner to do and change. I know how difficult some change is for me, but if there's some change of the dynamic of our relationship, if I can express that in an intimate, respectful, loving, and kind way for us to change our dynamic in that, like let's say again, defensiveness or blame, or if there is a lack of presence in our relationship to see how do I contribute to that? When I own some of my own stuff and when I, change some of the ways that I'm going about bringing that to her attention, then that's an inspiration for her to change. Another story that I'm repeating from another podcast, years ago, my wife and I got into an argument 
walked out, I walked out on the balcony. I said something through the screen door. Kind of mumbled something that was not loving and kind, and I don't remember what it was, but it was sarcastic. And my wife said, what love? What'd you say, hon? And I thought to myself, man, what the hell? How did she get to love that fast? I wanted to be able to do that. In our disconnection, she was able to drop it enough to come back in connection with that response that she said, what love? What did you say? That inspired me to want to do that. She didn't have to say, you know, you need to come back to love faster. You need to connect with me faster. She did it. And when she did it, it's an inspiration for me. So that's how people also change in relationships is they change that. They inspire each other. You know, there's a saying to be the change you wish to see in the world, right? Gandhi advises us. If we could change ourselves, the tendency in the world would also change. As a man changes his own nature, so does the attitude of the world change towards him. And as a feminist, I'm gonna reread this as, as a woman changes her own nature, so does the attitude of the world change towards her. And I truly believe that this can be true in our relationships as well. Mm-hmm. So, well, there's a little bit of exploration for you. I know there's a lot there. And I uh, just wanted to give you a little, a little taste for thought. So, folks, another song is coming to my mind. And uh, that is, uh, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. No message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself, then make that change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, folks. Look in the mirror. Make that change. Don't place so much emphasis on your partner's change. I really hope that you are, are doing well. I know it's still chaotic in the world and stress and fear is up. Take care of yourselves. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to one another. That's a big change that we can see in the world, right? If you want other people to be kind and tolerant, we got to do that ourselves. To ourselves and to others. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I hope you make yourselves a beautiful day. Relationships. Let's talk about it is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, PC, of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Thank you.